Welcome to another episode of Reading the Bible Responsibly. We're continuing through Genesis. We are almost finished with this mini-series through the first few chapters of Genesis. We've been talking about the created order and scheme of things and what it means to be created in the image of God. We talked about the Sabbath principle, how that got started in Genesis and what it means for us. We talked about the second creation story in Genesis 2, and we looked at how the different details show not unintentional contradictions, but different areas of focus for each story. Now we're going to move to chapter 3. This story is commonly referred to as the fall, and in this story we get a proverbial tree of life and a tree of knowledge. We get a bad choice about eating from one of them. We get a talking snake. What do these stories teach us about humanity? Let's set the stage for this story. In the middle of the second creation story, back in chapter 2, God tells Adam, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. That's Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Now notice that God tells Adam. This is before Eve has been created in this story, and so Adam is the one who overhears this command and is responsible for keeping it. Now move to chapter 3. This story starts with, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other animals God created. So now it just assumes that the serpent is this known character who is now at the center stage of the story. Note also that nowhere in this chapter is the serpent called Satan or the devil. Now, of course, later writings, including Revelation, begin to interpret it this way, but this story on its own simply portrays a talking, crafty snake. I want to talk for a minute about a big term. The term is etiology, E-T-I-O-L-O-G-Y. It just means an origin story. So in other words, these kinds of stories, etiologies, are to answer the questions like, why are things the way they are? They're stories told to explain actions, often traditions. Look, for instance, at the story of Esther, and Jews would say, why do we celebrate this holiday called Purim? Well, this is why. Here's the story behind it. So if we can maybe begin to see these stories as etiologies, as explainer stories, as origin stories, what do they explain? Well, the first thing this story explains is why snakes are crafty and shrewd. I want you to think for a minute of how snakes are often portrayed in popular culture. I think, for instance, of the Robin Hood movie, the cartoon. That snake is crafty and cunning. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 tells his listeners to be shrewd as snakes. This is just a common association with snakes. They they are the embodiment of shrewd, crafty actions. So why are snakes portrayed the way they are? Here's the story. Now let's keep going. The serpent mischaracterizes God's command. He says, oh, you can't eat from any tree? Well, no, that's actually not the command. The original command was not to eat from just one tree. So the serpent's strategy here seems to be to make God's commands seem overly oppressive and thus unreasonable. The woman repeats back the command. She focuses it on the one tree correctly, but then she adds the warning not to touch, not just not to eat. So who knows? Is the story wanting us to assume that the man, in an effort to make sure that there was no eating of the fruit, also had a command, just said, you know, it's better not to even touch it. Who knows? But the serpent answers back, did God really say that? Questioning these commands, and if you read the serpent's 
words, he's making God seem threatened. Oh, God doesn't want you to do that because he just doesn't want you to be like him. There's actually some truth to that because when they eat this fruit, their eyes are open and they gain wisdom that they didn't have before. Now, remember, in this whole context, the woman is having to rely on the man's words to pass on the command. So she rethinks her position and she eats some of the fruit. By the way, never specified as an apple here, but definitely always portrayed that way in any image you see. And then it says she gave some to her husband who was with her. Folks, this idea that Eve was alone and somehow convinced her husband in a different episode to eat this is not accurate to the text. Adam is portrayed as being right there when this seems to happen. And we'll see he's equally guilty. So their eyes are opened. They realize their nakedness. And so they decide to cover themselves. So the second thing this story explains is this. Why is humanity and the world in its current fallen state? Paul answers this in the New Testament. And again, he blames Adam and Eve equally and does different things with that. In Romans 5, verses 12 and 14, Paul says that sin entered the world through one man. And he says, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam. So when Paul wants to talk about sin and its entrance into the world, Adam gets the blame. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul says, Adam was not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. When Paul wants to talk about gender hierarchy, the woman gets the blame. So Paul is using different aspects of this story to explain why things are the way they are. They're both guilty, and they both explain different things about why the world is the way it is. And then we get to the punishments. For the serpent, the punishment is that he's going to crawl on his belly and eat dust, and there's going to be conflict between the serpent and the woman. By the way, Genesis 3.15, which is, you know, he's going to bruise your heel and you'll crush his head, That's often used as a prediction about Jesus, but here's the problem. The words for crush and strike are the same. It's often translated bruise. The verbs themselves do not imply a victor in the battle. So it's hard to make it about Jesus. It's basically saying he's going to strike at you and you're going to strike at him. And this is another place where your translator's assumptions about this being a messianic prophecy are driving their word choice. Now, I'll admit a bruise to the heel is not the same as a bruise to the head. There's different damage. There may be an implied victor here, but it's not obvious, and you can't use crush and strike as your arguments because that's not what the Hebrew says. Then there are punishments for the woman. She's going to have painful childbirth, and she'll be ruled over by her husband. We actually addressed this in a previous episode that wasn't part of this Genesis miniseries, but if you go listen to the episode about hierarchies and epidurals, you'll see some interesting things that we've done with this punishment. And then there's punishments for the man. He's going to have sweaty, hard work, and he will return to dust. So here's a third thing this story explains. Why is there conflict among created beings? We were created in harmony. Why don't we get along now? And why are gender roles like they are? Why do women experience pain during childbirth? And why are men confined to hard, back-breaking work? Now, I understand in modern culture we might be asking different questions, especially with regard to gender, but in many cultures these would have been the questions that they are asking. And that's what this story explains. How did these things come to be? Well, because of the sin of humanity, because of the craftiness of this created snake, then this is why there's conflict. So if we begin to view this story 
As an explainer, I think its motives become much clearer. It's super easy to get lost in the details of these stories. Is the serpent Satan? Is the serpent and woman conflict about Jesus? Was there death before the fall? But the main point is this. How did we come to be how we are? And Genesis 3 tells an epic story full of imagery and intrigue that begins to explain it all. Thank you for listening to this Genesis mini-series. If you haven't already, please take a minute to rate and review this podcast in whatever store you're using to listen to it, whether that's Apple Podcasts or something else. We're going to finish our mini-series in Genesis with a special interview and a wrap-up episode. So stay tuned for a couple more as we finish out this mini-series on Genesis. 